0: worship with a Templar knight. Let's bow our heads and uh, hear our call to worship through his word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen to these, uh, this prayer and praise to God. We praise and honor you, Lord God Almighty, for all your mercy and loving kindness shown to us, your people. We bless you for the goodness that freely chose us to salvation before the world began. We thank you for creating us after your own image or redeeming us when we were lost with your own image for redeeming us when we were lost with the precious blood of Christ, for sanctifying us by your Spirit in the revelation and knowledge of your word, for your help and support in our necessities, your fatherly comfort in our tribulations, for saving us in the dangers of body and soul, and giving us so long a time of repentance. We acknowledge, most merciful Father, to have received these benefits from your goodness alone. And we implore you to continue to be gracious, to increase the thankfulness to you, kindling our hearts pure and with pure and fervent love. Help us not to receive your word in vain, but graciously assist us in heart, word, and deed, to sanctify and worship your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Here's God's law and his will for your life. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven beyond. Or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I. The Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be as long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Your neighbor, not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Please, us bow your heads and uh, let's confess our sins. O Lord. Let your law be a cursing to our consciences, but rather give us grace under this extreme and heavy burden of sin to be fully persuaded that you by your death taken away all our sins and fulfilled the law for us and by this means has delivered us from the curse of the land and paid our ransom. And then we, being thus fully persuaded, may have quiet and settled hearts and free consciences and glad desiring wills to forsake this wicked world. Amen. Receive these words of comfort from God. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and, shall, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue and be careful to obey my rules. Confess what you believe about the Christian faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible. And the third day he arose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, of giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Instead of having our normal catechism uh, lessons, I'm going to give a little sermon uh, about uh, why does god allow the wicked to live <clears throat> you can find that uh, in job 21 verse 7 once upon a time there lived in a land of uz uh, a man by the name of job he was a good man an upright man of integrity he loved god devotedly and shunned evil the lord prospered Job, with a fine family of seven sons and three daughters, and with great wealth. Now, God may not always prosper those who follow him and serve him, but he cares for them nevertheless. The devil now uh, comes on the scene and he never trusts anyone. He doesn't believe that anyone would live in a good life unless he is being paid for it. So we see him appearing among the sons of God. When they present themselves before the Lord, why Satan was there? Uh, there we do not know. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what we're told. Uh, but we know he was there to accuse Job. God asked Satan uh, where he had been, and Satan answered that he had been walking to and fro in the world. Then God said, uh, "Did you see my servant Job?" and note uh, what a good man he is, and how faithfully he serves me?" And Satan sneered, "'Yes, I've seen him, and I know why he serves you. You have given him everything. You have hedged him about on every side. That's why he serves you. He knows which side his bread is buttered on, but give me a chance to get to him. Let me cause him to suffer a little bit, and I'll lose some of what he has, and he'll turn and curse you to your face.' All right," uh, said the Lord. "You can take away some of what he has, but you can't touch his body. God knew he his, his. God knew his man, and he knew he would stand the test. Satan accepted that challenge, but Job knew nothing about it. He went on uh, serving his God, and then suddenly uh, trouble struck. A messenger came and told Job that uh, some of his animals had been killed together with the servants who were working with them. Then another messenger came to him and reported, Hey, Job, uh, uh, the sheep and, and more of your servants have been burned up in a fire from heaven. While he was speaking to another messenger, came and he told Job that the child ends had stolen all of his camels and killed those who tended them. Now, the saddest news of all came to Job. He was told that all of his children had met death in a storm that destroyed the building where they were eating and drinking. Um, Of course, Job's heart was broken, but uh, holding on to God by faith, he said, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan saw that he had failed, so he went up before God again. When the Lord mentioned the integrity and the faith of Job in the face of his losses, the devil sneered and said, yeah, but all that uh, man has will he give for his life. Let me affect his body, and he'll curse you to your face. Well, the Lord said, go ahead. Give it a shot. Uh, you may cause him to suffer, but you cannot take his life. So Satan struck Job with boils from his head to his feet. You know, I uh, died, never had boils, but, you know, that, that's that got to be kind of painful. And, and Job scraping his boils, he sat down and among the ashes, still held on to his faith to God. Still had his faith. His wife came to him and said, uh, You see what uh, religion has done for you? Why don't you curse God and die? And Job rebuked. He refused to take her advice. Then three of his friends came to him Say, said, hey, hey, bud, what's going on? Uh, you must be a, a, an awful hypocrite, or God would not have allowed you to suffer as you have. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking back, and these are back in ancient times, so you got to go with the flow. They used all the arguments against Job, but, but the gist of his reply was this. God God does always what is best for us. So I'm not giving up my faith for, in Him, though, even though He could slay me. Yet I will trust in Him. Now in the midst of all this discussion, the question arose, where do the wicked live? Became old? Yeah. Are mighty in power? Could they be? The same question is uh, with us today. We see the wicked flourishing like a green bay tree. Everything they do is prosperous. They enjoy life to the fullest while on the uh, other hand, many of those who live good lives and love and trust God are continually bent beneath the load of woe and trouble and sickness and sorrow. And you can't help to to wonder and, and often ask that this quivering, throbbing Burning question, why does God allow these wicked people to live, causing others to suffer while his own people have such a hard time? Well, do they live to demonstrate the long-suffering and patience of God? Someone offends us and we say, I can't stand this. But uh, we sinned against God for many years and uh, he's been pretty patient with us. I can imagine an angel looking down on us in our sin and saying to God, shall I strike now? (laughs) And God says, no, 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 not now. After a hundred years or later or maybe 500 years later, God is just as patient in dealing with the human race. He has power to erase every sinner on the face of the globe. but..." He patiently waits and endures our transgressions. All through the history of the world, God continues to write his etic of divine forgiveness. In Noah's day, uh, he warned the people for 120 years as an example of his patience. He was patient with Abraham, Moses, and the Israelites, and the disciples. He has been patient with you and me. It is said at uh, a certain time in France men had tattooed on their bodies the words against God. On another occasion an infidel said, I have I have a watch in my hand. If there is a God, I dare him to strike me dead in five minutes, but such poor infinite human beings have no conception of the patience of an almighty God. He that sitteth And the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. That's in Psalms chapter 2, verse 4. When a mother quoted John 3.16 to her little girl, she said to her, "Uh, Honey, isn't God wonderful? And the little girl said, Why, mother? That's just like God. We say God is wonderful to spare the wicked, but that is just like him. He is patient and long-suffering. We see a man trampling Christ and the things of God underfoot and causing others to suffer. And we say, why does God allow this to go on? Why doesn't he put a stop to it? He may do so in due time, but now he's uh, patient and long suffering. And there, there may be an overthrow and it may be more impressive. A man builds his life without God. His sins pile up uh, upon another and upon another and upon another, and God leaves him alone. And when he comes to the peak of his sinfulness, God overthrows him. Then the overthrower is more impressive. Think about that. And carries a greater warning. He did this with Adolf Hitler and others. Look at all the sins Adolf Hitler. Look at all the millions of people he, he murdered What happened in the last century, a man who started off as a carpenter became an alderman, then gradually, step by step, he climbed up the political ladder until he became a commissioner of the public works, stealing thousands of dollars as he went along. He became a strong power and the crook of his finger would sway contracts and bring thousands of more, thousands of much more money to him. His daughter was married. And during the ceremony, she wore diamonds as large as peanuts, as large as nuts, and I can and all kinds of expensive jewelry and clothing. But in the midst of all the wedding splendor, two detectives came in and arrested him. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison, where he died soon of a broken heart. God did not bother him as a carpenter, but when he, his sin had run its course, the Lord stepped in. The way of the transgressors is hard. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 15. William the Conqueror rode into England, snatched the throne, and placed the throne on his own head. He trampled the people underfoot. Whatever he wanted, he took by force. He wanted a bigger hunting ground and took them from a poor man. Took the hunting grounds from a poor man. Crazy. The country was stricken with terror. But one day, his horse stepped on a hot cinder, and William the Conqueror was thrown from his horse and killed instantly. The country was stricken with terror. They took his body out and, and uh, uh, to be buried in a certain churchyard, but the victor said, Don't bring him here. He took the property of myself and, and my people, and he forbids you to bury him here. Go up, uh, William, go up uh, by the cruelty and the conquest of your dishonesty. But God said, come down, William, come down to the miserable death and the shame of the country and everlasting death. This is uh, uh, true on a smaller scale every day. We can sin and sin again, and God seemed to overlook it. But one day, one day he'll overthrow us. Goliath was a mighty giant, right, who, uh, who strutted before God's people, defying anyone to come out and fight him. David came uh, to the camp and said, "Uh, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that that, uh, he should defy the armies of living God? And day by day, he defiled God's people. Then the power of God, David brought him down in death. And his downfall became all the greater. So men build their towers of sin. But one day, the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ, will hurl himself at them and bring them down. The higher they go, the mightier the fall. Why doesn't God kill Satan? Why doesn't he chain him uh, in a pit, pit now? He is simply waiting until the devil's works are built up in their heights. Then he will bring bring him down with such violence that through all eternity, the justice of it will be seen. And I think we're all looking forward to that day. Um I guess they live, so some uh, might become monuments of mercy. Um, We see Saul uh, persecuting Christians, hounding them out, putting them to death, standing by while God's martyr Stephen is uh, put to death. Surely the Christians must have asked, Dear Lord, why don't you stop this mad career? But God, uh, in his silence, is saying, uh, Just be patient. Take it easy. I have plans for him. And one day uh, on, on the Damascus road, God strikes him down, converts him, and calls him to be one of the most effective preachers of all times. Then Paul could say, I'm an exhibit. I'm exhibit one of what God can do. I was the chief of sinners. Now I'm a monument of the saving grace. Sam Joan was a drunkard in the uh, down in Georgia, killing his father by his sin, breaking his wife's heart. Someone must have said, Lord, why do you allow it? He's hurting everyone who knows him, and the world would be better off without him. But God had his own plans. And while Sam Jones' father lay dying there, Sam knelt by his bedside and gave his heart to Christ. He became a flaming evangelist, turning thousands to the Savior, He was a monument to uh, God's saving grace. He could say to lost men, what God did for me, he can do for you. You know, it's just uh, amazing what the Lord can do for you. You just got to let him in and let him do it. There's a guy named uh, Jerry Uh, He spent several years, several terms in prison, several years. He was a wicked, he was wicked, and uh, the world would be better off without him. But but one cold night, he was persuaded to come off the street into a Christian mission. He became uh, gloriously and wondrously saved and opened up a mission station where hundreds of derelicts like himself came to know Jesus. He was another monument of God's saving grace. You remember the first time you saw an electric door? You know, the ones that open up right away. It was a little, it's been a long time, but I went up to a drugstore and reached out my hand to open the door. And to my surprise, the door opened it to its own accord. And I walked in and the chief and the chief of sinners has the only reach out his hand toward Jesus Christ and the Savior will open up everlasting doors and the sinner can walk into salvation. An artist can take a piece of stone valued at a hundred dollars and make it a statue worth thousands. And Jesus Christ can take a worthless piece of human clay and mold it into a priceless character fit to live with the angels. Why does God allow the wicked to live? To make them shining monuments of his own grace. Many who are good go down, while those who are bad go up. A man lives by cheating and swindling. He dies, and a great funeral service is held in his honor. He is buried in the prominent spot with an expensive stone, is erected over his grave, but godly widow who lives from hand to mouth and who, faithful in her love and service to the Lord, dies. The county buries her in an unmarked grave in a potter's field, where she's forgotten. You think that the man will rise up in heaven in great glory, but the little widow will uh, have to enter to the back door with no one to greet her? Nope. Not going to happen. It's unthinkable. There's a place of adjustment where things are righted, but that place is not here. Hell is waiting for the sinful man, and the doors of heaven are open for the poor widow. The wicked will live, and the righteous live, awaiting the period of adjustment. That's what we're all doing. There was a man out west who glorified in his uh, religion. Uh, he planted his crop for on Sunday, worked the field on Sunday, and reaped the harvest on Sunday. But his crop turned out uh, with better results that, uh, than that of his neighbor's. He gloated over this, uh, so the weekly paper published a statement, God does not always settle. Settle his accounts in October. Do you wonder why the wicked often prosper more than the righteous? God is just waiting for time to settle it. When he'll adjust everything and make everything right. Equal opportunity, let's call that. <clears throat> um Suppose God condemned us when we uh, committed our first sin and our tenth sin and our hundredth sin. Would we all be in hell now? But uh, he permits us to live longer and and, and make our own choice. He's giving us one opportunity after another to be saved. But one day we'll have our last chance. You attend some great service and the Holy Spirit stirs your souls. God is giving you another chance. The great sorrow comes and you are greatly moved, and God is saying, I'm giving you another chance. Sickness comes and your condition is critical, so God is giving you another chance. How patient God is with us, but one day his patience will end. He that being often reproved hard his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without women. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. Friend, uh, where do you stand on the highway? If death took you tonight, or if the Savior returned, where would you go? Maybe God has given you your last chance, so why not turn your sin and turn to Him in repentance and faith? Remember that even tomorrow may be too late. Don't reject God's offer another minute. To do so may hurl you from the seats of sin to the depths of hell. Some years ago on an island of uh, Martinique in the West Indies, there was a volcano called Pele. Here was the city of uh, Saint-Pierre. One day, grumblings were heard from the mountain. Uh, scientists came and examined the volcano and said, there is no danger, none at all, don't worry about it. You know, But some sometime later, a big, huge steam cloud, steam of lava began to pour from the mountain. All the birds and the beasts and the crawling things made for the coast. They took off. Then one bright morning, the volcano coughed and began to pour out all of its lava and molten lead toward the city. St. Pierre was blotted off the mat. At 8 o'clock in the morning, there were 30,000 people in that city. At 8.30, they were all gone. Life, however, sweet, is an uncertain thing. And you're on a dangerous ground if you are without Christ. Don't go on without him. Come to his welcoming in arms and find a refuge from every storm, from every eternal death and hell itself. As you listen to these words, let God enlighten your mind and heart. Grant Almighty God, that as you shine on us by your word, we may not be blind at midday, nor willfully seek darkness, and thus lull our minds asleep. But may you, maybe we be aroused daily by your words, and may we stir up ourselves more and more to fear your name, and thus present ourselves and all our pursuits as a sacrifice to you, that you may peaceably rule. And perpetually dwell in us until you gather us to your celestial habitation where there is a reserved for us eternal rest and glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's uh, bow our heads and uh, make your request to God. God, the protector of all those who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy. Increase and multiply on us your mercy and that for being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this heavenly Father for the sake of Jesus Christ our Amen. Let's take another couple of minutes here and bow your heads and, and your own personal prayers. Uh, pray for the sick, pray for the missionaries throughout the world spreading the word of God. Pray for the Christians being crucified. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for the United States of America to have a better sense of what's going on. That Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for joining me here with another episode of Worship with a Templar Knight. Um, I'm part of a Templar order, as you can guess. Uh, If you care to look at uh, our webpage, maybe think about joining us, that would be great. If you have any questions, you can answer there. We have a chat line set up, but give us a few minutes because sometimes we don't always get it right away. Um, but you could also go there and leave your email address. And if you have any prayer requests, you can leave them there uh, through the email or the chat line. Um, and we will certainly pray for you and, and get that on uh, out to everybody as far as we can. Um, and that is, uh, the website is www.americanknightstemplars.com. Again, that's www.americanknightstemplars.com. Or you can email me directly at davidr258 at comcast.net. You're more than happy to answer any questions. uh, Give us a shout. Thank you for joining me here today. May God bless you.